You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Um, welcome, everyone. I'm Bill White. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, and uh, we are a radically welcoming community. It's on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And we are a church right now in two places, online and here in person. Uh, and so we say, hey, if you're on Zoom, welcome. We're glad to be all together today. So um, Israel Rubio is waving at the, uh, oh, you're right there in the dead center of that. This is the audience cam. So you, all you people right there can wave and uh, they'll feel like, oh, hey, yeah, they're waving back, I'm sure. So uh, you can actually see it on, on the Zoom on your phone if you want to jump on. So, uh, But it's good to be here. I have not been in person in a month, um, just how things have worked out. And I'm off my COVID protocol and feeling bulletproof and super grateful for that uh, and just grateful to, to gather and see people. You know, I'm a raging extrovert, so it was a little hard. Uh, my wife said I was a bit of a grumpy bear hard to imagine, but I, I trust her. I trust her insight there. So, um, hey, for folks who are here, uh, in case folks were new, there is a bathroom right in the auditorium. You go up those steps, uh, and there's one right there. And yeah, we're gonna, one of the things we like to do around City Church is we like to pray for our kids, and we recognize that a lot of our kids are on Zoom right now. Uh, we like to pray for our kids of City Church and our kids here at Lafayette and in our neighborhoods. So uh, I'd in, like to invite up Ruthie Heiss, who is going to pray for our kids. So welcome Ruthie as she prays today. And I suppose, you know, Ruthie, you, we could say you're a kid yourself. Uh, what grade are you? You're, you're ninth? I'm in ninth grade now. Technically, I'm still a child. I'm a minor. Um, <laughs> thank you, Bill. Um, dear Lord Jesus, we pray for our kiddos, I mean your kiddos today. Um, we know that with ever-changing routines and friends in and out of quarantine, having fun and playing is hard, and everyday, everyday life is becoming more difficult, um, even for our little children and their own worries. Um, we ask that you put your hand over them today, teach them your word, and help them have fun, even in these difficult times. Here we pray. Amen. Amen. That was awesome. Watch, watch, watch. Almost got her with the mic cord. Hey, that was such a gift. Thanks so much, Ruthie. So we are in a sermon series now looking at the book of Philippians, and we're thinking about relationships and how do we keep on? How do we persevere? How do we sustain the, the relationships that we need in our life? Because, man, it's super challenging right now. Super challenging times. So how do we do that? And so we're thinking a little bit today about this, this idea of what, what love is. And, you know, we all sing about it. We all think about it. Um, and so today we're just going to look at the scripture. We're going to say, well, how do we love? Uh, how do we love well? That's really the question. How do we love well? Believing that if we love well, will actually build the kind of relationships that will sustain us, that will help us carry on uh, through all the challenges of life. So Megan Clendening is gonna read scripture for us today. If you'd welcome up Megan. I 
Right. Uh, and we we're, are going to stand here. If, if you're online, you want to stand, feel free. But uh, here in present, we're going to stand in honor of God and God's word. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> okay, y'all. <laughs> okay. Uh, Philippians 1, 3 through 9. Every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God. Each exclamation is a trigger to prayer. I find myself praying for you with a glad heart. I am so pleased that you have continued on in this with us, believing and proclaiming God's message from the day you heard it right up to the present. There has never been the slightest, been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you <laughs> uh, would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. It's not at all fanciful for me to think this way about you. My prayers and hopes have deep roots in reality. You have, after all, stuck with me all the way from the time I was thrown in jail, put on trial, and came out of it in one piece. All along, you have experienced with me the most generous help from God. He knows how much I love and miss you these days. Sometimes I think I feel as strongly about you as Christ does. So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well people of God, this is the word of God. You may be seated. Thanks, Megan. A few sound challenges there with an airplane and a motorcycle, and that's okay. It's, uh, I'm convinced that when Jesus preached, uh, there were lots of crying babies. There were lots of other, you know, Roman troops marching by or whatever it was, right? It was always outdoors. Uh, and so, you know, you just figure it out. We figure it out. So the scriptures actually, uh, for those uh, here, it's it's on your phones. If you use the QR code there, you can check it and you can see the passage from Philippians one uh, that we just read. But um, so as we get started, I want to think a little bit in in three simple ways about what does it look like to love well. And I am not claiming to be some sort of expert here. And I'm not saying that this is exhaustive, like, hey, you just do these three things and your life is going to be perfect. That, that's not really our approach. But our approach is to say, well, God's word does teach us some things, and this is helpful. And as we integrate it with, with the other things that, that God teaches us, it makes us more whole, right? And so we're gonna learn a few things from Paul as, he, as he's trying to love his friends well in this city called Philippi, and trying to show them how to love others well, it's following in the way of Jesus is really all it is. Jesus who, who lived and taught and died and rose again. And so we get to hear some of those very simple things. And so I, I don't anticipate there's anything super profound you're gonna hear today where you're like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that, right? It's more like, oh, that's right. Let's be reminded of, of who God is, what God is like, and, and how Jesus has led us to be lovers. So the, the first thing is, if, if you listen in to Paul, there's this, there's this affection that he has. There's this love uh, that, that he has for, for the people there. So if, if you go to the end of the, the book, in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, My siblings, you who I love and long for, you're my joy 
and crowned. Stand firm in the Lord. I think we're going to have the, uh, the motorcycles going to be sort of lapping us today. So we can just, we can just lean into that. Okay, everybody. Just lean into it. Like, okay, that's what it is today. So, so Paul is writing in Philippians 4, and he, he uses these, these terms. He's like, hey, you're my siblings. You're family with me. And I love and long for you. And, and in, the, in the piece that Megan just read, uh, he says, I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Like there's this tenderness, there's this dearness, there's this, this passion, these emotions. It's called love, right? And we can't exactly define it, but we know that, that it comes from within and there's this, yes, I see you, I love you matter to me. I just finished reading Julie Rogers' book, which I really recommend. Um, it's called Out Love, a Queer Christian Survival Story. Uh, Julie Rogers was, she was really one of the pioneers in the LGBT world promoting celibacy amongst uh, Christians, right? And she was big on the speaker circuit um, of conservative Christian churches. She spoke all around the country and uh, even internationally a little bit about, hey, you need to be celibate. God calls you to be um, celibate. And, and she still has a lot of friends in that world, but along the way, what happened is she realized that, that some of these groups that were using her to speak about, hey, gay people need to be celibate, is they were just using her. Like they, they just wanted her to take the fall so that they, as, as straight pastors, wouldn't sound bigoted. And she realized she was in this one particular meeting, and it was with a bunch of, of, of Christian pastors, people like me. And she realized that they, they wanted her to play this role. And she, she writes this about that in, in her book. She said, in that meeting, when they're, they're trying to use her to, to, to do the dirty work, so to speak, she said, I felt invisible and unknown. You can't be loved when you aren't known. And she realized that, that, that these Christians hadn't asked her her story, hadn't walked with her in her struggles. And she eventually shifts and becomes affirming of gay marriage, gets married uh, to a woman herself. And, and this, it's a, this beautiful love story. But part of it is realizing that if we're going to have a deep love for one another, this affection that Paul talks about, the love of God for one another, we actually have to know each other. We have to get coffee and sit across the table. We have to listen in to people's lives for, for what they're really saying and what their real strengths are. That that's what it means to love well. And, and as we do that, then we get to bless them for who they really are. And that's what Paul is doing here, right? He's, he's saying, hey, you're my joy, you're my crown. And he points out throughout the letter all these things that they've done so well. And I was, I was thinking a little bit about, about folks here. I was thinking about how I've seen that. Like if, if you've talked with Paul Heilman, 
uh, much. Paul will just, when you say something, he'll say, oh, you're so good at that. Because he, he listens to you and he hears what you're saying. Uh, we, we had dinner last night, uh, last week, with uh, Kevin and Fran, uh, who are here. And, and, and Kevin, it was just remarkable, like all the nice things he said about his girlfriend at dinner. And how, how kind he was about her to me and Katie. Like, he didn't have to do that, but he clearly sees her, he knows her, and then he names what he sees. I don't know if, if some of you know Seleni Zazueta, but uh, she does this all the time. And she'll write a note and call out the kind things that you've done or what she likes about you because she saw you. Or uh, if you know Mia Diaz, right, who's typically always online on Sundays, but she's always putting in a word of blessing in the Zoom chat. That's just what Mia does. And this is the invitation to love, to see people so that they're not invisible, that their stories are heard, and then to name them and to bless them. A second piece of, of what Paul is talking about here is he has this capacity to see the best in people. It's like he has a vision for who people can become. And I'm sure Paul struggled with this, and if you read some of his letters, you realize, yeah, he probably struggled a little bit with that. I think we struggle with this, too. Sometimes we have a vision, a controlling vision, like you need to do this, right? Uh, some of us grew up with parents like that, like, yeah, they, they knew what we had to do with our life, um, and we're still recovering from that. But it doesn't mean that the vision in and of itself is not bad, and Paul has vision. He's like, I see you. And I see all you can be. He has this in, uh, in verse 6. He says, There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day of Christ. There's this picture that Paul sees like, man, God is at work in you. And it's awesome. And again, throughout the letter, he points out like, hey, you have this strength. And man, you guys have been really generous here. Man, that really helped me so much. And I think you're going to be even more generous. And it just keeps coming up because he has vision. He has vision for their lives. He can see who they might be at their very best. And so this is the invitation for us is to look at, at others and see don't let them be invisible. Bless what's good and see even more. Call it out. Look into that future and say, yeah, I see who you could really be. Uh, so my, my best friend and I, we became, we were roommates in college. And we made this deal, this was a thousand years ago, last, way, way last century. Um, that we were going to pray for each other. So we, we were both getting married the same time in 1992, the same summer. And we were both dirt cheap. And so we had this conversation like, hey, I'm supposed to get you something for your wedding. And he's like, yeah, I'm supposed to get you something for your wedding. And so we're both so cheap, we're like, hey, how about this? I'll pray for you and you pray for me. So we made this deal. We're going to pray for each other and our marriages every day for the next year. 
and that was our wedding gift to each other. And so we just have kept it up over the years. I mean, this is, you know, this is 30 years ago. Um, and one of the conversations that we've been having recently with some regularity as our parents age, um, and mom, I think she's on the call, so you have to be a little bit careful with this. Mom, you're aging beautifully, like perfectly. Um, not everyone ages quite as gracefully uh, as my mom. And so one of the conversations that we've been having that uh, my friend Rob and I have been having is, who do we want to be when we're 75 years old? So this is about three years ago when, when we turned 50. We started having this question, asking this. What are the character traits that we want to have when we're 75? Because sometimes, I mean, not my mother, of course, but sometimes as people get older, they lose some of their filters. And so what's in there just comes out more, right? And, and so Rob and I are looking at each other like, oh my goodness, like if all this stuff comes out, like I'm gonna decimate my kids, my grandkids won't like me, they won't come over for dinner or Christmas or whatever, like, like quick, let's work on this. And so we realized, we realized it's like a 25 year journey to think of like a couple of character traits that we wanna have by the time we're 75. Like it's gonna take 25 years to, to really become patient, right? To really, to really accept people, right? You know, and not be controlling, these sorts of things. And so, so Rob and I, we talk about this. We talk about like, like he'll point it, he'll, he'll point out like, hey, remember by the time you're 75, that's gotta go, <laughs> right? And I'll, I'll say some things, I'll, I might mention some things to him as well. But it's this idea of like having this vision, this long term, like I see who you could become. I see who I could become in Christ. Oh God, have mercy. But what if that's part of what love is, right? It's part of what love is that love sees into the future, sees who we can become, right? and invites us graciously into that journey. I think that might be part of what love is. And then finally, uh, in that last line of, of this introductory piece, it says this, so this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Oh, I mean, isn't that just such a beautiful picture of, of us flourishing and not only loving much, but loving well. And that, that passion, right, which is, which is a gift, but to have it channeled with intentionality, to have that vision, but to have it really play out, like really, like, like what if we really did this? What if we really loved well? And I think that this is, this is God's heart for us in Christ. Because each of us in Christ is, I mean, a beautiful thing. How do we get there? We need others to call it out in us, to bless us. And I think there's, 
there's a sense of this vision of who we could become and who others can become. And then there's an invitation for us to be intentional about it. To say, okay, I'm not just going to love much, but love well. Like, I, I want to do this as best as I can. And so I was, I was thinking about, like, what does this look like? How do you do this sort of intentionally loving well? And so uh, I honestly, I thought about, uh, about our boy and, and a particular moment uh, for him when I was just like, man, I, I see that. So he's a sophomore in college. And a little bit of the, uh, of the background here. So I grew up in purity culture, which uh, for those who don't know, that's kind of a part of sort of conservative Christian upbringing where it's uh, a very strong teaching about uh, sex and purity and tended to be a little bit controlling or kind of a lot controlling and, and shaming. And so this is sort of my upbringing when I became a Christian uh, way back in the, in the 80s. And so in parenting, so I, I mean, you just parent out of who you are, right? So, so some of that comes out in, in parenting and teaching our kids about sex and on all these things, right? So my son now is in college and he's got this awesome pastor who's mentoring him. And they're talking and she says to him like, hey, it sounds like you're really interested in sexual ethics and things like that, would you like to explore that more? And, and so Timothy says, yeah, I want, I really want to think about this. I really want to think about how to love well. And so part of that was a, a, was a reaction to his upbringing, realizing that, that some of the sexual ethics that he grew up with seemed not fitting uh, in part because he was raised by straight parents and he's gay, uh, but in part because of this purity culture stuff. And so he finds this great resource, this pastor, and so they, they choose this seminary textbook um, by Margaret Farley, great book called Just Love, very dense, uh, and they start reading it together. And he tells me, he says, hey, Dad, um, this is what me and my mentor are doing. We're reading through this, this textbook together. I was like, can I read it too? <laughs> you know, like, I think I might need to do some rethinking. He's like, yeah, why don't you read it and let's start talking about it. And so then, uh, that's in the fall, early fall of his sophomore year. And so then literally one, we'd have these Sunday afternoon phone calls. He says, hey, um, Dad, I, you know, I want to sit down with you and mom because, you know, I've been rethinking my sexual ethics and I want to process some of the things I've been learning with the two of you. And I think it might be helpful to have my sister there because when she goes to college, she's probably going to have to establish her own sexual ethics. And I'd love to give her some resources and how to start thinking about that process. Because, you know, when I start dating guys, I want to love them well. All right, what 18-year-old kid says that, right? I mean, that's like, I, I'm like, what are you talking about? And so I'm like, yes, of course, you just invited me into your life. Like, and so we went out to this, and he's like, of course, because this is, if you know Timothy, he's like, and I found this really fancy place for breakfast that we could go out to to start that conversation, right? He's always going to get a meal out of it. So we go out and we have this fantastic conversation over 
over breakfast about how to love well and how he's rethinking some of the stuff that I taught him and how he feels like, I don't think that's actually helping me love well, Dad, and this is why. And what do you think about that? And so we get to enter into this conversation, and what a gift. But this is, I think, what Paul is talking about when he's saying, don't love, just love much, love well. Like, dive in. Really think about it. Push yourself to be more. Be willing to process with the people you need to process with, even if it's your old parents, you know. Um, and these are three different pictures of this process of loving well, of blessing, of having vision, and of being intentional that Paul is laying out for us and saying, um, there's no magic tricks here. It's not easy. It's the way of Jesus. And the way of Jesus is bigger than this. There's, there's much more. But, but here, here's some very simple things that we can start doing to not only love much, but love well. And so when I was, I was thinking about this, I was like, man, I really would love to hear from someone in the congregation about how they love well. And so literally the first person I thought of was Israel Rubio. So I sent a text and Israel Rubio agreed that he would be here. Come on up, Israel. And uh, thank you for being here, Israel Rubio. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so great. Yeah. So how long have you been around City Church and why, so we always start our interviews, and why yeah. are you still here? <laughs> um, we started around 2015 when the, uh, Brian was expecting uh, the twins, so was that almost seven years now? Yeah. It's about, been a little while. It's been a little while. Yeah, not the beginning, but definitely early on. And, and so, why yeah. did you stay? Uh, we stayed, um, it was... That's a good question. Um, I don't know. We didn't have anywhere so else to go. Reasons. Partially that. Uh, but <laughs> no, but the reality, but the reality was that we were kind of looking for a place to kind of um, not cool our heels. I'm trying to think of a better refugee. Like we, a lot of us think of the term spiritual refugees. We were leaving another church. We just needed a place to kind of crash yeah. and hang for a little bit. And I think as we did that, we built great relationships, okay. bought into the vision here. Nice. And uh, yeah. All right. There you go. Hey, I'm going to lower this so he's at blocks. Okay. No worries. You can see your beautiful face. Oh, thank you. Um, so, so talk. So, these three things, uh, I gave Israel a little bit of lead time to think about this. But this idea of blessing, kind of calling out the good, uh, is that a practice, or are there some practices that you do or your family does that that you feel like, yeah, that, this has been helpful? Yeah, I, I thought about the calling out of good, and we try to do that. We try to do some positive uh, conversations around the dinner table. But I think when I really thought about like what is a blessing to our kids. It's really having to stop and understand them for a moment. So I think the first thing we have to kind of step back is that for the first, I don't know, 10, 12 years of our marriage, Brent and I could really make plans on the fly. Um, we can decide to be home or we can decide to go places. And, and transition times between that, you just have to understand, like, that was easy to do. And when we had just two kids, that was fairly easy to do, right? But when you had two more, and now there's six of us, and at this, you know, the last, I would say, two to three years. I'd blame us on the pandemic, but the reality is it's <laughs> six people and the last two are getting to an age where they have a lot of preferences because they're human beings with agency. And that's, you got to respect that. You don't get to just drag them off. You just say, hey whatever. guys, in five minutes, get ready. We're going to go on a hike. Like we, we could have done that, you know, 
seven, eight years ago, but we just are not in a position to do that now um, because now they can talk back and they have their own ideas. And so, and then there's just this rigidity that comes with, you know, four very strong-willed individual people. So instead of fighting that, the, a way to bless that, that we've kind of adapted, Brent and I, is the whiteboard. And so we, you've got this whiteboard, and if any of you have seen uh, videos... You people should be taking notes right here, because <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic. If any of you have seen Brenna on, on video when she does like shapes or tools, you see a whiteboard in the back. That is the whiteboard in our house. And what happened is we just had to realize, like, we've got to just put schedules of what the day is going to look like. Or uh, we have a calendar, a wall calendar, and who's done the dishes last so that we can fairly rotate who gets to do the dishes first. Or whose day is it to have preference on, you know, a TV show. So having to have a lot of these written down around the house, whether it's the whiteboard or the calendar, brings about a sense of predictability, a sense of fairness and equity, right? And um, it doesn't, I'm not going to try to lie, like it doesn't solve all the tantrums and all the rigidity, like it doesn't solve all the problems, but it's a way for Brent and I to realize like we've got to bless these other four people by understanding their needs and understanding their, their drivers. And if we can do that just a little bit to show them that, yeah, we see them, we understand them, how we were talking about the Philippians, like that's step one into, into blessing them. It's not giving them everything they want, or it's not always ignoring the challenges that come with four strong-willed kids. It's just how can we adapt and how can we understand who they are and yeah. make some space for that. Yeah. Yeah. They're not two strong-willed adults, though, just the, just the kids. It <laughs> <laughs> no, well, must uh, come from somewhere. So. <laughs> Uh, but I, that, I love that, you know, the, that quote from Julie Rogers I read earlier. I felt invisible and unknown. You can't be loved when you aren't known. Right? This is what Paul does with the flute. He knows them and he calls that out. And, he's, and you're saying, hey, we're, we're actually trying to love our kids and bless them by saying, hey, this would be really helpful for them to have some clarity, some structure. Oh, man, so good. And it's not pulling rank. And I think that's the other piece of it. Is we can say, hey, we're the parents. We're in charge. Like, it's having to submit some of ourselves and put some of our right. own, right. Our own uh, you know, strong-willedness down. <laughs> um, so having vision, like, uh, like how do you have vision for people? Have, have you thought of something, you know, I kind of put you up to this? Yeah, we, we thought a lot. And I think sometimes <clears throat> when we have a vision that can be born out of our anxieties of what could happen to our kids' future, right? And so we have uh, those drivers, and we may, might not even think about it consciously, but those anxieties and drivers of like, you know, who are they going to meet? What kind of person? What's going to be? What kind of gender roles are they going to live into? Like those anxieties can drive people. And so I think what we've done is we've actually had to stop and say, how about we start first from like our values as a family? And so Brent and I sat down, um, I think with Asher and Dia, our two oldest, <clears throat> and we kind of laid out and talked through a menu of values of who we are as a family. Um, some of them is like being generous. Uh, how do we engage in conflict with each other? How do we ensure there's equity and fairness for everybody? And, and uh, there's a couple more that slip my mind right now, but we actually had them written out so that they could be referenced later. Um, and what that does is if anyone makes a mistake or has a tantrum or scratches or bites someone else, like we can actually not shame them and just say like, this is about you being a bad person and say, hey, you're out of line from our family values. And that's a different, that's kind of a, it's subtle, but what it does is it helps, because um, I think with our vision for our kids, if they don't reach that, there's a possibility of shaming them because they haven't reached whatever unarticulated anxiety that we've got in the back of our minds, right? Like, how can they live up to it? We haven't yeah. communicated. But instead of, instead of that, what we've done is we've actually been explicit in the values that we have in our expectations as a family. And then if they live out to it, it's not a matter of you're a bad person. It's, hey, we need you. And what you did there was out of 
the line of what we are as a family and we'd like to bring you and how do we repair the harm that's done by that and, and restore that. So I think the vision piece is really not about, um, it is about the end product and what we want for them, but it's not about them as an individual so that they have to conform to some like preconceived notion that's, that's not always based in the healthiest part of our, our own upbringing, right? Right. right. And this is what it looks like, not just to love much, but to love well. So thank you so much, Israel. Yeah. And then finally, this, this, uh, this last piece of, of this intentionality, which you've already talked a lot about, um, but uh, there was a particular situation that you and I were talking about. Are you going to share yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think uh, I have a relative, and we had to make some adjustments and plans um, in visiting uh, the relative uh, related to just COVID safety, and we were in the middle of, it was a couple weeks back, in the middle of the initial part of the Omicron surge, um, and that relative didn't take it very well. And so I got a text uh, from that relative that they were pretty frustrated and pretty irate by by the decision did they call you names uh they didn't call me names but they did use some some profanity <laughs> and um and it was a shocking one because i um i've used profanity with this not but not at them like we've we've used profanity because you know okay whatever that's a that's the kind of relationship where we can we can joke around and stuff and, that, and that's fine but it wasn't never directed at each other right, to each right. other and i think that was something that was pretty shocking for me mm -hmm. um but it was but at that moment, I think in our kind of electronic internet connected lives, I have a choice to make in that moment. I could respond or the intentionality is in stopping and consider the situation before, before responding. And so what I had to do was uh, ask myself and my pause is instead of responding before responding, I had to decide for myself the intention was, what am I going to value in this interaction? Am I going to value and center the relationship or am I going to value and center hey, I was right about this decision and I'm looking out for the safety of my family. Right. Because at the end of the day, like, that's going to direct what the conversation's like. I'm not interested in a conversation of justifying what decisions I'm going to have to make for my family to keep them safe and well. Um, and plus, like, there's, I'm not out to convince this person of, of what we're doing, right, and, and how we approach our decisions on the pandemic. That's not really, you know, who's ever won in like an anti-masker vaccine conversation, sorry. Right. Yeah. But like, it's just not the, what we're looking for now. But I could center the relationship, enter in and just say, hey, it sounds like you're upset. It sounds like you're a little hurt. Can we talk about that? Not by text, right? So that my, my decision in how to engage uh, this relative was not based on being defensive in, in the decisions I made, but actually centering the relationship and having to start in with that, hey, it sounds like you're hurt, let's talk about that. It sounds like you might feel a little mm -hmm. uh, rejected. And just asking and just being entering it with curiosity. And I think entering with curiosity instead of um, the certainty of the decision I make, I think those are two different stances and that's a lot of the intentionality. And you actually had a phone call with them, is that right? So yeah, you, didn't, you so, didn't do all that by text. Yeah. You actually said, I want to center the relationship, it's more related. Yeah, and so we, we had the phone call and I said, hey, that was a very, that was, that was kind of a, an intense response. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you're feeling? And uh, they let off with an apology. They said that was you know, not, not right to use that language. And I said, I can get that. I, I care about you though and I want to hear how you're feeling. Right. Right, I can totally forgive you on that piece, but how are you feeling? Like, what, what was it that you were expecting that somehow we, we missed? And so we got to talk through that person's okay. missed expectations, their frustrations and hurt, and, and to be able to, yeah, we didn't see eye to eye on, on the pandemic stuff, and that's, that's fine, yeah. but we still had the relationship, and it wasn't yeah. broken or severed because yeah. of wow. that. Like, so. I mean, you can see why I wanted Israel to come up and share, right? Like, so good, loving not only much, but well. Yeah. We're so proud of you. Thanks for loving so well. Thank you.
yeah, no, what a gift. Thanks so much, Israel. Um, we love how you parent. We love how you do family. Uh, I'd like to invite